Um, so before I talk about the book, who wants to jump in, Greg? Uh, you know, what, what distracts you? Let's talk about how we get, what is distraction and how we get distracted before we get, go into his tips of how not to be. I mean, I, I think for, for me, it can be anything of just noise or it can be visual. It can be anything. I mean, I'm in, a, I'm, you know, I'm in, an, you know, we've converted our dining room into an office and there's a big window to the, to the right of me. And you don't realize since you're being at home, how much activity happens outside. <laughs> I mean, from snakes, deer, eagles, gators, whatever is running through the yard. It's like, um, okay, so it's just, those, those kind of visual triggers that just throw you off pace. So, you, so you'd be a proponent of going back to the office sooner than later? Well, see, I don't mind it. It just, I, I mean, I just need to know, like, you know, for example, I could close the, close the curtains and to eliminate it and then open it. You know, it's, it's just like you said, you, you're just eliminating these external triggers that causes you, you know, just by nature, for you to alter your focus. Yeah, I, uh, yesterday I was on a call. I participated in the Shop Talk Meetup Conference. So I had 26 meetings in three days. It was fascinating, but I have a pool in my backyard and there has been, an animal has been pooping on the pool for weeks. And we have been wondering what's, is it a squirrel? Like, what is it? <laughs> and yesterday, while I'm on one of these meetup calls, I'm at the window looking out at my pool and I see a big, huge green salamander, lizard, whatever they're called, go, walk, crawl up on the pool, squat, poop. And so now I know, now I know what's pooping on my pool. It's the big, big, huge, whatever they're called. Iguana. Yeah, so it was an iguana. They put, we had put mothballs but yeah, that was pretty distracting because I literally, literally wanted to say to the person I was talking to, I just found out what's been pooping on my pool. But I, I'm sure, I think he was the head of research for Moody's. I don't think he would have found that very funny. I think I would have distracted him a little bit. So uh, Jennifer, what, 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 did, what distracts you? I get distracted by volunteer work. Like I, you know, I'm on all sorts of different chamber committees, county committees, um, especially now with COVID, I'm on the economic recovery task force for Miami-Dade County, which then led us to the affordability, um, you know, affordable housing committee for people who are dealing with eviction which led to the business <laughs> committee. So for me, those are, those are distractions. They're very short term right now, but there are a ton of meetings. Um, I mean, we have weekly meetings, sometimes three and four a week. And to me, that's very distracting, <laughs> yes. So his, his topic on the meetings, like why meet just to meet was super appropriate. So I'm going to share that with, um, I already did it. I already do that in my office and with meetings that I plan. I have this, Darren Hardy has this successful meeting planner and I always plan the meetings to make sure they're successful. But for me, that's my biggest distraction right now. Yeah. Meetings to have meetings is, 
what a ridiculous waste of time. But I would just have one uh, word of advice for you. Are you ready? No is a complete sentence. Yes, I know. I am getting better. I've actually cut down on a lot of them, but yeah, you're right. But I hear you. I hear you. Hi, Nicole. How are you? I am good. How are you, Beth? We're doing good. We're, I'm asking everyone before we jump into the quotes in the book or the, the takeaways in the book is what is your number one distraction? What distracts you? So I find that oftentimes I'll, you know, uh, survey my mind and think about all the things that I need to do and try to jump into all the different things at once. So I'll start one thing and then I'm like, oh, wait, I have to do that. I don't want to forget. And then go into that and then like, you know, rustle around and then realize I got like 10% of everything done. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Ryan, what about you? Thank you. Yeah. I would definitely share this sentiment of uh, I get caught up kind of doing inventory um, and identifying, you know, that um, it has helped me kind of move the needle as opposed to kind of chasing my own tail. Um, you know, definitely would prefer to get back in the office just as like as a junior person that a learning through osmosis is, is essential for me. Um, so uh, but yeah, uh, just distracted by ambitions and dreams, like everyone else. Well, those are good things. Those are good distractions. You just have to have them, like he says, you know, time blocking time for that, right? I mean, the a woman that I follow on Instagram, Sarah Blakely, who is the founder and CEO of Spanx, and she owns it in its in in its entirety. There's no public board. There's no company. She owns it. You know, a multi billion dollar company. She just uh, posted on Instagram that she took three days, a thinking vacation. I think she followed this advice from Warren Buffett and she had a stack of books. This would be my favorite vacation. She had literally like nine books. And she, now, and I was thinking I should go on a thinking vacation but I don't have four little kids running around. I could just have a thinking vacation in my house and not spend thousands of dollars. So, but I was like, I would like to go away, you know, and look, she was looking over a marshy land. It was, it looked lovely and just thinking, but I think it's so important that we all have included whether in a, you know, an hour a week or at the very least a couple hours a month to be thinking and be, you know, be thinking about, are we on the path where we want to go? You know, when we started in January, our goals were X, where are we with our goals? Maybe we got sidetracked, but how can we get back? We've got 90 days left or less, right? November, December. Yeah. So maybe six, 70 days left to accomplish one of the things that we started thinking about back in January. So yeah. just thinking, Sheila, what distracts you? I tend to go very fast as far as getting things done, being on the ball. What distracts me is that I, by the time I, you know, and obviously I delegate, by the time I'm thinking about what I delegated, it's distracting to me to have to go backwards and follow up with the people that are supposed to be taking care of what I delegated. So it stops me from continuing to, to move forward because I have to stop, go back, see where they are. When am I going to get it? You know what I mean? That's, yeah. That's very distracting to me. Yeah. Uh, 
Chloe's on the call. You know, I always tell people that I delegate things to, I don't want to, I don't want to be your to-do list, right? If I give you something, I need you guys to like, you know, and I should do a better job too. And Sheila, maybe, you know, we, we both could do this, you know, every Wednesday, you know, every, every night at five o'clock, give me a, an update of where, where you are with the things I gave you. So we're not following up with them. Right. Make, you know, put it, uh, we we put it, to make my lists and delegate and think, you know, think it's taken care of. And then a day or two later, I'm looking at my list going, Hey, that never got that information. And so I'm having to go backwards to go forwards. Right. Right. And like, I didn't, I, I, I think I gave Josie this to do a week ago and I haven't seen anything about it. Right. So having them give us an update instead of us giving them an update. Well, Anyone else want to jump in and, and give what the, what distracts them before we go into some of the takeaways from the book? Mel or Liz? I don't want to leave anyone out. Okay. So Mel, yes? No? Okay. So um, Greg, so, every, so Jen, you read the book. Greg, you read the book. So you guys that read the book, what were, what did you, what was your favorite takeaway? I think for me, it was, you know, he talks about in the beginning of this 10 minute rule. If, if something is, if you were like having to look at your phone and it's like causing you stress, just wait 10 minutes. And the urge most likely will subside. You'll be able to focus and you're, you're doing something else or whatever the case may be is. So you know, what, I, what I've been able to do is um, I've always struggled at night being somewhat connected, like kind of in the, in, in the moment with the, with the family. You know, my, my wife tells me, it's like, you know, you're kind of, you're on your phone, you're doing some other stuff, you're working, whatever it is, and you're kind of ignoring, you know, you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world. Um, so what I started to do is I just, I take my phone and it's typically the low battery anyway. So I charge it in the completely in the bedroom and I just leave it there. And it's allowed me to be a little bit more focused of what's actually happening in, in our environment. Um, and so it'd be, I've eliminated that distraction. And so I can become, and it's made a huge difference. And you don't realize like, I don't need to look at this every 10 minutes. And I mean, you know, I, I get that I'm I'm unemployed at the time, trying to figure out new career move paths and that kind of thing. But like, I, I don't need to do it 24/7. So it's just it's not necessary. And um, it's been a huge difference for me. When did you start that? Um, halfway through reading the book. <laughs> when I started, when I heard the 10 minute rule, I'm like, oh, this is not hard to do. And you know. This, this book is actually a really good, um, you could kind of read it along the lines of, of what we did with James Clear and Atomic Habits. Right. It's very similar. Right. So you, can, you can build a whole class with this, with just the, those two books and get a ton out of it. So right. um, yeah, I just, I implemented it a couple of weeks ago and it's been a huge difference. Yeah. And I, I did like how they brought in at the, what he brought up in at the end of the book with family and kids and all uh -huh. of that. You know, right, that was awesome. Um, Jen, what was your big takeaway? Mine was on the time blocking. So it's the same thing with what Greg just said regarding atomic habits and also the compound effect. They all talk about time blocking and developing habits. But 
I never thought of time blocking time for myself and my family first. Mm -hmm. They're in there, but they're not first. And I thought that was super interesting because a lot of times when I, I, I time block very effectively in the morning and the morning's my most productive time. But then I find myself scrambling in the whirlwind at the end of the day to try to hurry up and, and finish up so I can get home and get dinner and be with the family and everything else. And, and since I don't have them on my block, I just assume that being home and cooking dinner and everything's enough, but I'm doing what Greg's doing. I'm on my phone or I'm sending a last email. And, and I think if I have them there, then I come to a hard stop at the end of the day when I leave the office and, and that time is for them. And then maybe I pick it up again after dinner or whatever, if there's something I need to do. But I thought that time blocking time for yourself and, and time for your family and doing that first was was a great takeaway. Yeah, you know, we, we, we all talk about it and we all, I think, believe it, right? That if you, if you said, what are your values, right? We're all gonna say our family. And, and then I think he says, now go to your calendar and see what are your values? Where are you putting time? Do you have things scheduled every day or, every week for your family? Probably not. They're not on your calendar. They're not scheduled. It's what are your values? Like I loved, and we've heard this, right? We've heard this again and again and again. What was different in his book, which I thought was, it just kind of made me stop and think differently about the same topic is when he said, my friends are, valuable to me. And then he said, what my wife and I did was we decided every Wednesday was going to be friends night or every other Wednesday. And they get, they get together with, I think four other couples and they schedule it. And it's like a non-negotiable every other Wednesday, they go to the a park that they, they, he said, social distancing. He goes, everyone brings their own meal and cocktail or whatever. And that they had, I think they had three questions. I don't remember the questions, maybe one of you do, but they had like almost kind of like a little bit of a, an agenda that he said it wasn't to formalize it, but it was just definitely so that, so that the guys didn't start talking about football and the girls start talking, what, you know, whatever, gender biases or gender roles or whatever. But, um, and that they went around talking about they pick a topic or a question. And he said, my relationships with my friends that are very important to me that I highly value has been strengthened because of the time together and that we've discussed a question that then we learned more about each other. And then that deepened the strength of the relationship. I And by talking about friends instead of kids, it kind of strengthened the whole idea about me and the kids, if that makes sense. Because, you know, we just hear the thing about the kids all the time. And whenever you hear something about, you know, kids all the time, you know, hear something again and again and again, you, you, you just say, oh yeah, I know that. But then by, by, by him talking about, I plan, we plan something with our friends. He said that they woke up and they realized that they love spending time with their friends but they hadn't seen a certain couple for two years. And so I thought that was awesome. 
and going back to scheduling it in the calendar and, 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 and saying at the end of a week, looking back, if my family's number one in my life, let me look at my calendar for the last week and see if, the, if a stranger looked at my calendar, where would they see my values? I thought that was pretty powerful. So he, I think that he's a big proponent of scheduling. I, I was, someone recommended that I listen to a podcast that he was on um, near, near IL. And I was listening the other day to a podcast. I didn't get the whole thing, but he said that most executives, most successful executives have their calendars planned out, you know, planned out in some, some, you know, say every 15 minutes, some say you need to leave open time, but I do think that scheduling and planning out your calendar is very important for you to not get distracted and to get stuff done. I am, um, we interviewed a guy, um, some of you might know him, Mark Elias, he's with Regency and Mark has been with Regency for six years, uh, for five, for, except for the first year, He's been the number one producer in the entire company of Regency for the last five years. By far, like has blown everyone away. And I asked him, I interviewed him for my leasing agent forum. And I said, what, what my question was is what's the number one thing that contributed to the success of you being number one for the last five years? And he said, the eight elephants. And I said, what are the eight elephants? And he said, Every night before I go to bed, I think about my day for tomorrow and I write down the eight elephants that I'm going to knock out before noon. My goal is to do it before noon every day because I, he says, I get 40 to, he goes, I have 48 properties I'm leasing. I, I can get 40 to 50 incoming calls a day that I really, my goal is to return everyone's call within 24 or 48 hours. But if all I did was show up at the office and start returning phone calls and emails, I would never get to the big stuff. I've been recently, some, I heard the term income producing activity. So I, I told Mark, I said, I do that. I only do three. I'm much older than you. So I only do three, but every night, like around 11, I say, what are the three things? And they're not, like today's top three things, the book club wasn't on it because it's going to get done. These are three things that you can easily procrastinate or get distracted from doing, but are crucially important for you to move the ball, you know, 10 yards. So I do three, he does eight. Um, I'm very happy when I get to Friday night at five and I've done 12 of the 15 for the week. And they're always, always things that can be procrastinated. So if I have a conference call, that's not one of the three. Like I had a DD's, I'm negotiating a DD's lease. I had a call with an attorney. That's not, not one of the three because I know that will happen. I'm not going to just, oh, I could do that tomorrow. It's those things, like maybe for Greg, he's you know looking for a, a new position. Maybe it's cold calling three new employers easily able to put that off, Greg, right? But crucially important. And most of the time, mine, mine most of the time are cold calling or prospecting, 
you know, either a training opportunity or a national retailer or someone I want to try to buy a property from. It's those things that I'm like, uh, like maybe I'm going to get rejected today. I'll, I, I feel better. I'll feel happier on Monday. I'll do that on Monday. So, um, so I think that that helps me not be distracted because I try to, I, I do it at 11 o'clock right before I turn the lights off and I wake up hitting the ground running, knowing these are the three things I have to do today. And a lot of the times they're phone calls or emails and I can get them done before I even, you know, start my day or get into the office. So that helps me. Um, I know Greg, you, you after um, Atomic Habits, right? You really started working on the time blocking and that worked for you, right? It, it did. And then like with many things, you start to get off, you fall off the rails and you know, that started to happen. And, and, you know, a lot of it had to do with the different, you know, kind of taking a different position with my company and responsibilities were changing. And then you were exposed to other conference calls and everybody wanted your attention. And, and, and so it, it became, it became very difficult and in an environment where, you know, your attendance is necessary, even though I would, even though I completely disagreed. Um, you know, we started spending 40% of our time just talking to each other when in reality, and, and, you know, when we should be selling. I mean, for leasing agents, we should be selling. We, we shouldn't be sitting on the phone in a conference call with 50 of our best, closest corporate friends all talking about the same thing that we talked about 20 seconds, you know, 30 minutes ago. It, it is, it is a, it's an epidemic in corporate America. It is an epidemic. It, it, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, and you just have to say no. You just say, look, I, I, this is not effective for me. And I, I finally got to the point where it's like, look, I'm not going to be in this meeting. I have, I, I need to lease, I need to lease these 10 different spaces and the time sitting in these phone calls talking about what somebody else is doing in North Dakota or Montana or Arizona doesn't affect me. It's not, it is, it's hurting my ability to help lease space if I'm, if I'm, and I'm not learning what's going on, what's happening in Arizona. It's not, it's not effective. And yeah. that's a big, that was a big issue for me. So, yeah. And, and, and obviously that's, that's a challenge when we read all of these books and we get all of these ideas and we try new things and then we, you know, end up not doing them. I, I would tell you, I'm doing the, I've been doing the three things every night, I think for 20 years, but I definitely try new things. And then like, I, like, as you all know, I did the miracle morning for 68 days. I did it for 30 days and said, I'm not really getting anything out of this. Let me keep going. And after 68 days, I'm like, this is not adding to my life. Now, there were millions of people it added to their life. It just didn't add to my life. I just, you know, for whatever reason. So I tried it and then I dropped it because I didn't, it, I, it has to be additive. It has to, to, to do something right. positive. Um, I liked what he said. He said, distraction, it turns out, isn't about the distraction itself rather it's about how we respond to it which is so true right so we like just what you said greg 
the meeting was the distraction. How did you respond to it? You said, look, I need to leave space and I can't be in all of these meetings, right? Or Jen, you know, you're involved in all of these committees and, you know, at some point you gotta, like, you, I, you can't, right? We have to respond to the distraction or the 10 minute rule. Like, I really wanna go into my room and get my phone off the charger, but I'm with my family and, and let me wait 10 minutes and see if that urge goes away, but it's addicting. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna to talk to my kids about their video game addiction because we've got our own addictions for sure. Uh, Nicole. It was interesting that he also said that the distractions are the, what did he call it? The symptom, not the, not the reason, that the reason is something internal. So, right, if we hate cold calling and that's on our to-do list, and all of a sudden I can get distracted by answering 20 emails or doing my social media post or whatever, I'm going to do that because it, it's more of that fun, happy thing that he was talking about, why technology is such a big distractor. It's not that it's the cause, it's the symptom. And the cause is that I hate cold calling. And, who would, and wait a minute, who would hate who would hate cold calling? No, no, I'm using that as an example, right? And, and it's true, most people do. Like the stuff that you know you have to do is what you hate doing. Like I, I get so productive around my house, around tax season, when I have to do my taxes. It's like the rain debtors get cleaned, my patio gets, I mean, I do everything. So I think, I think he had some good points on that. And one was to check in and, and take a look at what the cause of it is. And the second thing was to change the story. So instead of saying, I hate cold calling, it's like, I'm an awesome cold caller or I'm a great cold caller or something like that. And that's similar to like the ninja selling where they say, you know, your, your purpose of, of running isn't, I mean, of, of signing up and running a marathon isn't to be a marathon runner, it's to be a runner, right? So your reason for prospect, for, for calling isn't to be a great cold caller, it's to fill up, you know, to be a great leasing agent. So I think, I think those were some awesome points that he made in the book. Yeah, you know, I hate what I don't like doing, but I, I exactly, I need to rephrase that. I love going through a 40 page national tenant LOI. So what do I do? I clean my purse. <laughs> this is, that's my distraction. Like I'm looking at the Starbucks or Chipotle or Aspen Dental LOIs and I'm like, oh, I get a headache just looking at it. I would rather cold call for eight hours straight and not have to go through a 30, 40 page LOI. So the first thing I do is I think my purse needs cleaning. <laughs> then once my once my purse is cleaned, my brain is cleaned, and now I'm going to attack. But my trick is I say, I, I, I just turn on the timer for 15 minutes. I only have to do this for 15 minutes. And then usually I'm halfway through and it's like, okay, I'm just going to finish it. That's my trick. I trick myself. But um, yeah, there's, here's, the, here's the quote about that, I think. Wait, I just lost it. Hold on. Men, most people don't want to acknowledge the uncomfortable truth that distraction is always an unhealthy escape from reality, right? So we're allowing, I'm allowing the distraction to go clean my purse so that I, so I, I can escape from the reality that I need to go through this LOI or this lease. 
right? We're allowing the distractions. The distractions are a, an escape. Now we shouldn't, we should not be wanting to escape from our families. <laughs> and I don't think we want to escape from our families by looking at our phones at night after dinner. But I also believe that we are human beings like to solve problems. We like to be helpful. And when we get the three emails, we feel like we've accomplished something by responding to the emails. So we like to solve a problem. If our, if our child came up to us, our teenager and said, I'm having a problem at school, can I get your advice? You sit down with your child, you want to help them solve the problem and you're very engaged and it doesn't matter that your phone is buzzing at your hip, you're gonna help your child solve the problem. Cause I think we are problem solvers we, and helpers. But when we're, we don't have a plan with our family and everyone's just kind of hanging out watching some you know, reality TV show or whatever, it's easy to then look at the buzzing on our phone and say, Is there, does someone need me? How can I help? And I think that goes back to scheduling, doing things, whether it's game night or take a walk with the family or walk the dog or play with the dog. Or I, I do think that scheduling things will help us be um, avoid the distraction of helping someone else. One of the things that he talks about, and that's kind of the latter part of the book, is, is the, the identity pact. And basically saying, you, we, and one of the quotes that he uses, it's like, our perception of who we are changes what we do. And the, he, he goes into the pick, you know, examples of, do, are, are, are you a runner? Or do you need to, or do you feel like you have to go to a run, to go run? Are, are you a, I have to go versus more currently, I have to go vote or are you a voter? Like there, there's like, it's, it's the same sentence and it's the same thing, but you, you are labeling yourself in a certain way that impacts the action that you're going to be taking going forward. And I found that extremely powerful because if you identify with what you're trying to do, whatever it is, it's an internal pack that we don't want to, we don't want to let ourselves down. If, if, if we, we've identified ourselves as, as a specific thing, we've identified that, we're much more in tune to follow through with that objective than if we, if we label it as a noun versus a verb, it's, it's completely, it, it, it just changes your mindset of, of how you attack a certain, a certain issue. Oh yeah, look, when I was bike, I biked and I swam and I kept saying to people during the whole biking exercise, I'm not an athlete. <laughs> and then I started swimming and I said, I'm not a swimmer, but now I say, I'm an athlete, I'm an mm -hmm. athlete. And now I, I, I'm trying to eat healthier. And instead of saying, I'm trying to eat healthier, I need to say, I am a healthy eater. And by mm -hmm. saying I am a healthy eater, when I go to reach for those bag of chips, maybe I won't do that because I'm a healthy eater and a healthy eater wouldn't do that. But it absolutely mindset on how you see yourself helps you avoid the distractions. They, uh, here's a couple more quotes. Simply put, 
the drive to relieve discomfort is the root cause of all of our behavior while everything else is a proximate cause. So, and that's right. They say this in selling when you read about like how to, how to sell, they say that people want to remove discomfort more than they want to, I don't know, some, the opposite of that. But they, they say like deal with the fear or the discomfort or the pain when you're selling, which I don't like those. I don't like those kind of tactics, but, this, but they say that people are more interested in how do I get rid of the pain or the discomfort than anything else. And the drive to relieve discomfort is the root cause of all of our behavior. So I don't know, eating chocolate and chips at night, I don't know what uh, discomfort I'm relieving, but <laughs> I'm relieving a lot of it. Um, he, he says, uh, anything that stops discomfort is potentially addictive, but that doesn't make it irresistible. If you know the drivers of your behavior, you can take steps to manage them. And I think that's, you know, what's the driver of our behavior to check our phones every two minutes? Like, I think he talks in the book, I'm pretty sure this was this book. I read so many books. Doesn't he talk about in this book, um, Jen and Greg, that you can look to see how many hours you've spent on your phone that day, this day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you how, sh- track it and- how shocked you are when you look. I don't even want to look. Has it, did anyone look after they read that? It was eight hours. Was eight eight hours, hours on the phone. Yeah, my phone actually gives me a my my analytics at the end of each week, and it shows me like if I've done better or worse watching the phone. And I've been doing so much better since I started looking at that because the way that I looked at it is if I'm looking at my phone, I'm not being productive because that's it's not me posting social media; it's me reading social media. It's not me necessarily answering an email; it's me reading the emails, right? And how many junk emails do we get that take us down rabbit holes? So once I started reading that my analytics, I think that helped a lot. Which go, yeah, it goes back to the stats, right? If you it, what you can't improve what you don't measure. So if you have if you want to improve that by looking, it's just like the scale. If you want to lose weight, look at the scale every day. Jen, I'm curious because with my stats, oftentimes, you know, they'll say like, oh, you know, this week you did more or less or whatever. How do you figure what, what extra, because a lot of times that's extra time reading articles or books or especially for my laptop, right? How do you kind of like distinguish when you were more productive or more, you know, doing things not productive? The way that I look at it is, is I have a breakdown of the items that I do that are productive. So if, if I'm spending more time on my phone, like on phone calls versus on my email and my social media, I find that productive, right? I find that being more productive. So that's kind of how, how I look at it based on what I do. Now, if I were a marketing person and my job was to post social media, I would feel less productive if I had more phone time and less social media time, right? So that's just how I do it for me. Makes sense. I know. I mean, for me, like I'm, I, most often than not, I'm reading a book or or an article via my phone. So, but I've tried to dedicate, let's just say 45 minutes a day reading a book. 
and maybe another 30 minutes reading a periodical or two. Um, and then there may be a webinar, like I, I'm kind of you know, collectively putting all of that information into one set block. So that way I know it's, I know that is what I'm intended to do that day. I'm trying to be as productive and using my, outside of that, you know, email is typically not gonna be on my phone, it's gonna be on my laptop. Um, but the rest of it's gonna be typically like social media or I'm playing games with the kids or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I have to be, be somewhat careful of all of that. But um, I, I do try to block, say if it's eight hours, I'm saying maybe two and a half of those hours are probably productive activities that I'm doing to whether it be learn or job search or whatever the case may be, using my phone. I like that you brought that up because that's actually one of the things that I liked about the t one of the, the ideas that I got from the time blocking that kind of was like a light bulb for me in the sense that when you time block, you're not just saying what you're going to do, you're saying what you're not going to do. And the idea of when, you know, you, if you're not doing that thing on your schedule, that's a distraction. You know, that I don't, I never really thought of it that way. And now I find myself oftentimes reflecting on that when I grab my phone, but my schedule says I'm doing something else. And I'm like, wait a minute, no, no, no. This, this may just take two minutes, but it's a distraction and it's taking me out of that, that rhythm. Um, and it may not seem like a big deal, but it, but it could be, right? It could be. It could be taking away that that very important thought that led to another important action that led to success, right? And I think that 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 point that you just made takes there was another book where they talked about the importance of focus and how much time, I think it was Atomic Habits, that how much time it takes to get into focus and how much how fast it is to get out of focus and then so if you're if you're focused and you're doing your time blocked activity and all of a sudden you stop to check your email you've not really broken your chain of thought your train of thought but you've also now the time that it's going to take you to get back to that activity and back into that productive zone is significantly higher than the 2 minutes that it took you to answer that email or that that comment on the post Yes, absolutely. I think that is where I got, that's what, because I had read Atomic Habits. I've, you know, this is the first time I joined you guys, but I had read it previously. And I think that's what led to that thought when I was reading it, because it's, I had read it recently. So the link was right there. Um, just a, a, another like side note, another really, uh, really powerful thing I found from this book that I, it never even dawned upon me, but that the idea that willpower is not finite. The idea that willpower is something is more like something you develop. It, it's a skill set, not something that's that's expendable. You know, I I really really like that because I feel like a lot of times, me personally, you know, I see it in physical activity or mental activity. You say to yourself, you know, you push yourself a little too hard today. You know, like just you can you can you can slow down. But it's like, no, why am I limiting myself? Why am I telling myself that if if willpower is could be you know if there is space for more basically yeah i love that i also love that about willpower you know he, he also said to receive fewer emails we must send fewer emails <laughs> i thought that was interesting right i like that a lot um yeah he talks about measuring a lot and absolutely the focus, 
with it says what these creative professionals understand is that focus not only requires keeping distraction out it also necessitates keeping ourselves in so absolutely that two minute distraction when i'm going back to the thing that i you know love doing reading 30 page lois um i put my phone on airplane mode so i set the 15 minute timer so i that's kind of giving myself you know intellectually anyone can do anything for 15 minutes but i also put my phone on airplane mode so there is no buzzing i have no no there is no not a distress so and I just think that, oh, I didn't get any emails. And then of course I stopped doing the LOI an hour later. I take, I'm wondering why haven't I gotten any emails or texts and I put it to take it off airplane mode and then they all come, but it protects me. It's my shield for the distraction, whatever you need to have the, the, the shield from the distraction. I don't beat myself up about it. If that works for me, then I'm going to use it so that I can, because absolutely when I'm doing the thing I love, I have to focus on that. And I can't, if I get interrupted, I will absolutely, you know, the 15 minutes will come and go. And then I didn't finish what I needed to finish. He, you know, he talks about pre-commitment too. You know, he says, we must learn a powerful technique called a pre called a pre-commitment, which involves removing a future choice which involves removing a future choice in order to overcome our impulsivity. So we must learn a powerful technique called a pre-commitment. So we're pre-committed. I'm pre-committed to doing the thing I love, which involves removing a future choice in order to overcome our impulsivity. What do you guys think about that? I, I think that's that's very useful. I found it very, very useful specifically with like uh, eating habits and stuff like that. You know, if I have junk in the cupboard, I might go for it. If I don't pre-plan my meals, I might just pick something out of the fridge that I shouldn't be eating because it's easy. So I think that definitely can work in a practical way and be just generally efficient, right? You, you, you can batch things up in an hour. You're planning your meals for, for the week in an hour versus you know, 30 minutes every day, you know, it just, I think it can be very valuable tool. Chloe, Chloe in the office laughs. I pretty much have the same thing to eat every day. And the restaurant, which is right downstairs, never gets the order right. I mean, I've only ordered it at least 300 times, but it's so easy because I don't have to think about it. You know, I don't have to think about it, you know, and, and when we do when we do say, oh, let's try something new today, it's like 15 minute discussion. It's like, I'm just gonna order what I order every day for 300 days in a row. I read something somewhere about, I don't remember where it was, but it was basically about like the, how taxing it is, all the decisions we have to make in a day and every little decision is like a little bit more and a little bit more. And just taking away those, those unnecessary decisions by either setting up your clothes the day before, or like you do, you know, you say, these are the top three things I'm going to do tomorrow morning. You know, you're making that predetermined decision gives you less, less uh, mental space to use on those frivolous things. For sure, for sure. Uh, I love this. He says, the Roman Stoic philosopher Seneca wrote, 
people are frugal in guarding their personal property. But as soon as it comes to squandering time, they're most wasteful of the one thing in which it is right to be stingy, right? It's the only thing we can't get back and we just waste it. We just waste it. Everyone, I mean, if, if we get anything from this book, it should be that, that time with our kids, time for our health, time with our mind, we fill it up with work all the time. And uh, we, what? So I just wanted to chime in. I think that that's an awesome, you know, way to frame it and, and how we deal with, uh, you know, no is a full sentence. I mean, the little tidbits, but, but the narrative is, you know, we have to be selective about how we use our time and how he framed it kind of binarily with uh, distractive or tractive or, or uh, traction no, distraction or, or traction. Yes. And, and so even in a relationship, non-business context, there are things that, that you can be doing or that you can clearly instantaneously on a scale you know, what is this? And if it's intentional, you can enjoy that time uh, more completely knowing that it's intentional uh, distraction time. Um, but yeah. 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 Ryan, the quote is traction draws you toward what you want in life while distraction pulls you away. Right. What do we want in life? We want a great relationship with our family and friends. Why the hell are we spending eight hours a day on our phone for work? Right. Um, okay. So any last, we have three minutes. What else, any last takeaways from the book? I'll, I'll add one last quick thing. I really liked the idea of uh, taking control of your time again. The idea that pe people's jobs is to take your time. That's, you know, social media, they're, they're literally trying to take your time. And this idea of acknowledge that and then choose what you're going to do with your time rather than just frivolously, you know, letting them use it. 100%. Um, okay. So uh, FYI to all my, you know, committed members of this book club, Greg and Jen and everyone else, I'm creating the list. I'm creating 2021's list. So text me, email me your ideas. We're definitely putting back on The Alchemist, which we I bumped for something during COVID. Um, and then someone mentioned Barbarians. A bunch of people have met, mentioned Barbarians at the Gate. So that's one that I'm considering, but I'm formulating the book ideas. So I always like, I love to have a female author. I love to have an autobiography of someone in the retail world. Just so you know, these are kind of the, the things I try, I try to do. Everyone always wants something on negotiations and time management. I'm reconsidering, uh, I've said this before, doing Never Split the Difference again. We haven't done that in, I think, two or three years, and it's definitely been one of the top books. I like an older book, which I guess The Alchemist will fit that versus you know the latest and greatest. So share with me your books that you want. We, um, the next one we have in on November 20th 
is seller be sold for with the lunatic uh, Grand Cardone. <laughs> um, but whatever you think of him, I am I am only I'm only thirty percent of my way through the book, and I cannot tell you how many pages of notes I've taken. So let's we'll reserve the right of what we think about him as a personality and we can all learn. And then we're in December, we have The Art of the Start, which was another one that I postponed because of a, a book we, we uh, substituted during COVID. So share with me some of the ideas uh, that you would like. And um, thanks for joining and have a great rest of October and I'll see you in November. Think about it, time, we shouldn't be wasting our time and we have 70 more days till the end of the year, what was the one goal that you wanted to accomplish that you haven't yet? Let's spend 70 days working on that. And we all should spend more time with our families. And our Beth, has, has this group ever done Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill? No. Okay, that was a really old book. It was written in 1938, but he thought it was going to be too controversial. So he left in his will that his family was to publish it. They thought it would be too controversial. So they didn't publish it when he died. And it finally got published in 2011, but it talks about the use of fear to control. And okay. I think that's something that you and I have discussed several times about fear. I'm adding that. that back. I've, other people have recommended that. So I'm going to add that to my list. I, I'm keeping a running uh, Evernote list of anytime someone, oh, someone also wants to um, brought up the um, Nimhoff breathing book. I thought that would be fun and different. And um, because I love Gary V and we've never done the thank you economy, I think I'm going to include that. So we're at one, two, three, four, five. We already have January assigned. So we have room for six more. Have you guys done um, what to say when you talk to yourself since it came up today about positive talk? It's about positive talk. It's really, really good. And I'm it's writing that down, Nicole. What to say when you talk to yourself? Yeah, and it's by Shad Helmstetter. You're Greg, on my list. Greg, what's your, what's your, uh, well, I mean, there's a bunch, but. Um, if you want a negotiation book called Getting More, um, which is from uh, Stuart Diamond, he was actually Chris Voss's professor at, at Penn. Um, I actually went to, I, I actually took a negotiation class with him about a couple of years ago in Pennsylvania, in Philly. Um, that's a pretty practical book. I mean, almost more practical than Never Split the Difference. Okay, great. Then let's, then that would be a great one to do instead of repeating. As you know, you know, I like to keep I the books that I've picked that have been very deep, like they don't no one like likes them. They <laughs> we're not a deep group. We need they need to be good, easy books to read. Um, another one is Super Attractors by Gabby Bernstein. I just okay. read that one. I, I I was very fascinated with that one. Someone just sent that to me. Stacy? Yeah. Did Stacy Mooney send it to she sent it to me? I think she did. Yeah, she sent it to me for my birthday. Yeah, she told me about it. All right, guys, have a great week and let's go sign some leases. We'll see you guys. Or whatever makes you successful. That's right. Have a great weekend. Bye.